for touching our hearts and, and telling us who's in control. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are involved in every detail of our life. Father, I pray that that might permeate our minds as we open your word, Father. And Lord, that as we seek to live a life that's pleasing to you, Father, I pray that we might exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and magnify him in our bodies and let the world know that you are God. Thank you for what you will teach us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you will take your Bibles, let's turn to another psalm that we, we've been doing a study in the Psalms. Psalm 101. Psalm 101. We come to another psalm of David, King David. And this particular psalm, they're not exactly sure when this was written, but most Bible scholars believe it was written just before as he was about to sit on a throne there in Jerusalem, that he had already been anointed king, God had chosen him, and he was about to take that throne. And, uh, and so this psalm is sort of David's determination in his life before he serves the Lord in this capacity to maintain purity in his own life in the, and make sure there's purity in his court and there is also purity in the land. And so you might say that these are David's resolutions. He resolved himself to particular things as he tells the Lord that this is what he plans to do. And I think we can all take these personally. We can apply them to our lives. And uh, though we are no kings like David, uh, what resolutions he makes uh, apply to each one of us. Now, I don't know how many of you have made New Year's resolutions when we turned into 2023, but um, people make all kinds of resolutions. How many have always kept your resolutions perfectly? Oh, no hands. Look at that. Good. Glad you didn't raise your hands. We can't. Of course not. You make these resolutions, you make these planned promises. I'm not this year. I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. And then suddenly... Ah, uh, we find ourselves slipping up. I found the list of the top eight New Year's resolutions for 2023. Okay, so let's see if any of them were ones that you tried to make. All right. What do you think number one is? No, that's number three. But that was good. Yeah, weight loss. That's number three. Number one resolution is exercise more. How about that? Number two, anybody want to take a shot at number two? Oh, I heard it back there. Yeah, that's it. Eat healthy. Very good. That's number two. Eat healthy. Number three, lose weight. Number four, somebody want to take a shout out? Stop smoking. Well, 
That, that is on some lists, but not on this one. But I like that, Tom. Nope. The, uh, the next one is save more money, number four. Number five, spend more time with family and friends. Number six, spend less time on social media. Don't you think that's a good one? A good resolution. Number seven, reduce stress on the job. How many definitely want to try and do that? Yes, absolutely. And number eight, uh, the top, one of the top resolutions is reduce spending on living expenses. Of course, with everything going up. But this is in America. These are American resolutions that many people have chosen to make. These are the, the top ones. David resolves himself to certain things. And let's look, begin looking at them. The first and kind of uh, the, this whole chapter is broken up nicely into kind of three sections. And uh, again, uh, it concerns David's reign as king. Uh, the first one here is David's resolve in personal integrity and conduct. His own integrity and conduct. He's concerned about his own heart. Let's read together verses 1 through 4. David writes, I will sing of the loving kindness and justice. To thee, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will give heed, or some translations is, I will behave to the blameless way. When wilt thou come to me? When he asks that, when wilt thou come to me? Uh, he's desiring to be in the presence of the Lord, just to, to sense his presence as they did in the Old Testament. We know that the Lord is with us all the time, so we don't have to pray, Lord, come to me. He is with us all the time. But David desired to have that sense of God's presence in his life. Then he says, verse 2, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall not, I'm sorry, a perverse, perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. So let's look at this as David breaks it down. Here are some of the I wills. Of David. And when he says, I will, he's saying, I resolve to do these things before you, Lord. This is my desire. The first one, verse 1, he resolves to sing praises to the Lord for the Lord's qualities of love and justice. Love and justice. That uh, word love there is also translated loving kindness in the New American Standard and also mercy. So loving kindness, mercy, love, that is he wants to sing of God's love and he wants to sing of God's justice. Sing of God's justice. Turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 13 with me. Let's go over to Hebrews 13, right of Hebrews In this chapter, he had just 
been writing about the Lord Jesus Christ as the great high priest. Verse 15 of Hebrews 13. And he, he speaks of the great high priest, Jesus Christ, who went into the sanctuary of heaven with his blood after he died on the cross. And he, through his blood, we are forgiven our sins. And so what are we to do then? Verse 15. Through him, Jesus then, because of his sacrifice for us, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to the Lord. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. But here is that call to give the Lord the sacrifice of praise. So when does my praise or my thanksgiving actually become a sacrifice to the Lord? It's when the trials come, when the furnace gets hot, and suddenly you feel that you are being burned, you, are, you feel the heat, and you feel the tension, the stress of life, or whatever has come your way, and suddenly you're so burdened down, in those times, we, when we are able to praise and thank the Lord, maybe not for the, for the pain of it, for what it is, but we can thank him for who he is and for what he plans to do through it and that he will never leave me for or forsake me and thank him for the promises that he's given me. When I do that, that is a sacrifice of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of praise that I give to the Lord when I'm at my lowest. And how hard that is to do. Have you ever found that? Especially maybe this week. You know, you got the news or you, you just suddenly got the word of a tragedy, uh, whatever it may be. And then suddenly your heart sinks. When we turn our focus on the Lord, as David did at the beginning of this psalm, he begins, before he does all his other resolutions, he looks at the Lord. And he says, Lord, I am going to praise you. Give you the sacrifice of praise. And then he begins to praise him for God's attributes. You know, that's, that's what I need to do. I need to focus upon the attributes of God when things turn upside down in my life. Because if I look at the circumstances and I keep my eyes on the earthly level, I'm just, I'm never going to, my spirit's never going to be lifted. I'm going to feel down, depressed, discouraged. But if I look up and I look into his word and I see who God is. That he is a loving God and he is a just God and he will take care of the evil in this world and those who are evil. One day there will be, he will bring justice, but he has brought mercy and grace to you and me. So may this be a resolve in your heart and mind like it is in David's to give a sacrifice of praise. Go back with me then, if you would, back to Psalm 101. Psalm 101. 
after David speaks of singing to the Lord, and remember, this is a song that he wrote. And he says, oh, 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 to thee, O Lord, I will sing praises. Then verse 2. I will give heed to the blameless way. When wilt thou come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. You see what David is doing here. He's concerned about his private life. He knows that God watches him all the time. And isn't it uh, natural for us to be going along through life and then suddenly we just kind of drop our guard? We forget that the Lord is watching me and that, that he's concerned about the way I live, the way I, what I say, what I think, what I do. And my behavior, and then I come to a place where I, I'm, uh, uh, I, I'm just uh, not thinking of of purity and thinking of living a life that is pleasing to Him and acting in such a way in my own house. And David's talking about right there as he walks with the Lord privately in his home. You know, he says. He desires to walk in a blameless way, to give heed or behave in, in a blameless way. This, this also this ha has to do this word perfect or blameless in the Hebrew here is interesting. It's the name or the word Joel or Jonah. Maybe you didn't realize that. But the names Joel or Jonah are the Hebrew words that mean perfect or blameless. And that is what, and if, if we were to narrow it down to one meaning, it would, for this blameless way, it would be the word innocence. Innocence. I will walk in an innocent way. In other words, he's trying to keep short accounts with God. This does not mean he's not talking about a perfect life. When you see the word perfect, he's not talking about an absolute sinless life. We cannot live a complete sinless life until we get to heaven. Not, not in this life. We still have the old nature we're battling. And I've got to battle that nature and struggle with it. But I'm, I want to strive, I want to resolve myself to this. That, Lord, I might uh, seek to behave in an innocent way in my life. Which means, Lord, I seek to obey thy word and walk according to your precepts. Walking according to your precepts here. And notice he then says, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. Walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. The word integrity there in Hebrew is the word tuma, T-U-M-M-A. And that Hebrew word, again, speaks of, 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 of purity. And he wants to walk in, with integrity and honesty before the Lord. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's go over to 1 Peter 1, verse 14. 
1 Peter 1.14. As Peter writes to the churches, here is Peter giving us the resolve that you and I as believers need to make concerning our walking in our personal life, walking in our homes before the Lord, our private life. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You shall be holy, for I am holy. The Greek word here for holy is hagios. Now, when you hear the word holy, what do you think of? You think of perfection. You think of absolutely no sin whatsoever. And yes, when we consider God, he is, he is perfect, he is pure, he's infinitely pure and blames without any sin. But the word here, hagios, the word holy for us, literally means to be separated unto, to be separated unto God. It's giving myself to the Lord as a vessel that is fit for his use, that I give myself to the Lord. And that means then that, Lord, I belong to you. I am separating myself from the lifestyle of this world. And, Father, I want to live a life that is, is pleasing to you, that is spirit-filled, so that I might produce the fruits of the Spirit separated unto you know it's uh, it's like when you men or some of you women if you ever enlisted in the armed services and you 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 went you gave the oath right signed your name what happened at that moment so if we want to give it in a practical, give the word holy in a practical way, you became, according to the meaning of this, you became holy. You see, what happened is you suddenly were separated from civilian life to life committed to the army, to committed to your country. And so what did you do? You chose to serve your country, even if it meant laying down your life, which many have done, for the freedoms of our country. And that, that is an act of, according to the term here, holy, that is an act of holiness. I'm not talking about the sense of purity without sin, but it's an act of separation. I separated from civilian life unto life in, in the... Uh, in serving my country. So I want you to get an understanding of that. Because when, when you suddenly read this, uh, you know, 
Peter's saying, well, God said, be holy for I am holy. And you go, oh, yeah, that's impossible. Yeah, it is. If you're thinking of the absolute sinlessness of God and his holiness, because he's separated completely from sin, but you and I are not. But we should seek to be separated. We commit ourselves to separation and say, Lord, every day I'm striving to separate myself from the old nature that is within me and separate myself from the temptations and the draw of the world that so desperately wants to get a hold of me and pull me in. So this is the holiness here that he talks about. And this is what David is talking about back in Psalm, uh, back here in uh, Psalm 101. But turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Since we're up here in the New Testament, if you go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, Okay, so just go back. You're in Hebrews. Go back a few books. Okay, 2 Timothy, right before Titus. 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. Actually, look at the, uh, verse 20. Now there, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood, and of earthenware, some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, and here's what David's all about at this point in his life. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for what? Honor. Sanctified. Do you see that word sanctified? That's the same as holy. Separated unto God. That he might be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, the Lord, prepared for every good work. David is concerned about making sure his heart is cleansed from sin each day. And if he, conf if he, if he commits sin, that he confesses it so that he might continue to try and separate himself unto the Lord so that he might be a vessel fit for the master's use. This is what we are called to do. As Paul tells Timothy, if a man cleanses himself from the things of this world and, and, and the, the deeds of the flesh and the old nature, then something wonderful happens. We become a clean vessel fit for the master's use. So uh, turn back with me now to Psalm 101 and let us move on. And by the way, I, I, here we come to, again, look at verse 3 again. I will set no worthless thing or wicked thing, in some translations, before my eyes. I won't set any worthless. Boy, doesn't that fit the culture today? When you talk about social media or television or advertising, other things, what gets us into trouble most of the time? It's what I see. It's what I see. Isn't that what got Eve into trouble? She looked at the fruit, right? And suddenly her eyes turned to lust, lusting after that fruit. As Satan through the serpent said, ah, look at this good fruit. 
God doesn't want you to take it because you're going to be like him if you eat it. And it says there, it looked pleasing to the sight and good to taste. So it was a beautiful piece of fruit. And Satan continues to hang fruit out in front of all of us every day with the things that the world would want to entice us with. It might be more money. It might be a bigger house. It might be, well, we compare ourselves to others. And so I've got to have what they have or I have to have better than they have. And then I start comparing myself to others. It may be lust of the flesh, lusting after another person, desiring another person. These are the things that we have to have to battle with. And David is saying, I'm resolving myself to guard what? My eyes. I am choosing to guide, uh, to guard my eyes before the Lord. And I hate the work, he says, of those who fall away, those who, you know, have uh, others who have believed but have fallen away and they, they've been trapped into, into sin. He writes, it shall not fasten its grip on me. There he's talking about the habits of sin, that it won't, he won't let a habit of sin grab him and hold tightly to him. But so we've seen here, and then verse 4, a perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. So he's making these resolves. David resolves to walk in personal integrity and holy conduct before the Lord. But secondly, now in verses 5 through 7, we see David's resolve in public integrity and conduct. Talking about his court as his king, it's going to be those who will serve him in the court and those who are around him and those who are intimate with him. Look at verse 5 with me and let's read 5 through 7. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look or an arrogant heart will I endure. My eyes shall be upon the fruitful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. But he who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. He's making it very clear. David basically is saying, I'm going to check out the integrity of those people who are going to be serving me, those who I'm going to be around and, and that I'm going to take counsel from or, or be close to. He, he, he is concerned about the faithfulness in, he's looking for those who are faithful. Notice that word, verse 6. My eyes should be upon the faithful of the Lord that they may dwell with me. He's looking for those who are faithful to the Lord. And how many times have we gotten ourselves in trouble when we've gotten too close to someone who just doesn't love the Lord? 
And basically, they love, love themselves, they love the world, and we kind of have gotten real close to them, and it's kind of rubbed off, and, and, and they, have, they have no time for the Lord. And we try and be a witness to them. And we try and, and show them that, uh, you know, a difference, how we are, we are separated unto the Lord, and the, it's because of the Lord's grace and nothing that we have done. We can't live this way. David can't live this way in his own strength, and neither can you or I. The only way is through the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through his power can I be separated at all concerning uh, this. That the Lord here is the one who will strengthen David to make the right decisions concerning the, those who will serve him in the court. Notice he's concerned about those who are faithful and he who walks in a blameless way, much like he's trying to do himself. Those are the people he wants around him. But those who practice deceit, verse 7, and, and speak lies, he wants nothing to do with them. And so he makes this resolve for public integrity and conduct in his court. And I want you to see with me an example of this. Turn to 2 Kings with me, chapter 22. So if you go back to 2 Kings 22, and we'll pick it up at verse 3. Here we have the account of another king whose name was Joash. Joash was a righteous king. And he was eight years old. If you look at verse 1, actually, Joash was eight years old when he became king. Can you imagine being king at eight years old? Boy, oh boy, that, that would have been tough. But he reigned for 31 years as he grew. Verse 2, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of what? Who? His father, David. Nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. Basically, he had the same heart and made the same resolves David did. And we see here where he, he acts upon that, especially concerning the, the uh, public integrity of those around him and those working for him and those uh, working on the, on the temple. Look at verse 3. Now it came about in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Zaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying this, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money brought into the house of the Lord, which the gatekeepers have gathered from the people. Okay, so people been giving money for the repairs of the temple, God's holy house. Verse 5, then the king said, and let them deliver it Okay, the doorkeepers ha have, have the money, right, that the people brought to the house of the Lord. They gave it to the Lord. It's the Lord's money. Let them then deliver it unto the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. 
and let them give it to the workmen who are in the house of the Lord to repair the damages of the house. Okay? So basically, he's saying, send the doorkeepers, bring the money to all the carpenters and all you, many of you guys who are so talented at, at, at repairs and building and, and building homes and that sort of thing. Uh, just think of yourself as being one who was called to work on the repairs of God's house, God's temple. I know many of you in the past years, some of you who are older, have worked on this house, God's house here in Jonestown. And you built this. God's people built this as they, they served the Lord so sacrificially. But here, I love verse 7. And here's where it connects really with David and what, we, we, what he was saying. Only no accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered into their hands. In other words, uh, you know, give them the money, but, but don't keep track of who's got what money. Just give it to them and leave. What? This is the Lord's money. This is what the people have given to the Lord for the repair of the house. And you're just going to give it to the workers and say, here, go buy your materials. And then go, go fix up the temple. You're really going to trust them? But look at the end of verse 7. The king says, for they, these workers that have been chosen, they deal what? Faithfully. They deal faithfully. He knew these people. He knew these workers, these uh, talented builders. And he was entrusting them with God's money because he knew that they were faithful people. They were faithful. And that's what, see, that's what David desired. He was going to uh, have those who are close to him or to do his, the work in the palace, the temple, or in the city. He wanted those who were found faithful. And oh, the, that's what the Lord desires of all of us, that we might be found faithful. And if we're found faithful... That means I am living, seeking to live in obedience to God's word. And then from the, we see there that, that he basically took his hands off. And then we won't, don't have time to read the rest of this chapter, but do it on your own. But then Hilkiah, the high priest, came uh, to Shaphan, the scribe, and he said, take this back to the king I found the book of the law in other words Israel had not been been bothering with God's law and and his, his word and so it, it was kind of gathering dust in the old temple that nobody was using hardly and it was falling apart and he found the, the law of Moses and of course inside that law the law of Moses there God would tell the Israelites you know, if you serve other gods, then I must bring chastisement and judgment upon you. Well, he brought, he brought the book 
to King Josiah. Josiah opened it. He read it. And he was shook to the core because he was a a man of integrity like David. He desired to walk in the Lord's ways. And he saw what God said. He knew that, that the country was still, there was still evil in the country. But he was looking back at the king before him, his father, and the one before that. And he realized all the sin and idolatry that had come through Israel. And now he says, is God going to judge us this way that he's saying in the book? And so he told the, the, the high priest, go inquire of the Lord. What's going to happen? Is God going to judge us? And real quick, just look at uh, over verses 18 and 19. Verses 18 and 19. But to the king of Judah, this is the Lord, the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus you shall say to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel, regarding the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord. There it is, a heart of integrity. When you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. What is that? He's, he's repenting himself. The king uh, tore his own clothes when he read the word of God, the law of God, about God's judgment for sin on the nation. And you have wept before me. I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Neither shall your eyes see all the evil which, is, which I will bring on this place. God is still going to punish the nation someday. But he's saying, because of your heart, jo- uh, uh, Josiah, I am not going to punish. You are not going to be part of, of, of the judgment And so the word was brought to the king, just like David. Do you see the the heart of this man? And what, what, where did he fall in in love? He fell in love when he received the word of God. And you and I, as we close here this morning, you and I have to fall in love with the word of God. We have to fall in love with this book and what it says. This is the only way that I will walk with integrity and and then have those around me who are walking in integrity. We won't take time to turn to the last verse, but Psalm 101 verse 8. He concluded that psalm by saying, Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land so as to cut off from the city of the Lord all those who do iniquity. This was David's third Uh, major resolve and that was David's resolve for his country's integrity and conduct the whole country but you and I are asked now you and I are asked to make resolutions before the Lord to resolve myself with the Lord's strength Lord I will walk with integrity in my home in my family with those who I surround myself with, make sure that there's integrity, those who are faithful to the Lord, that will be my intimate friends. And then I will seek to also share Christ 
with the world around me that they may come to know him and know the Savior. Oh, that we might resolve ourselves to this and watch what God will do with our lives as we make this commitment. Let's pray together. As we bow before the Lord this morning, dear Christian, perhaps there is something in your life that you realize has entrapped you as you've not surrendered it to the Lord. And there's part of you that has not been separated unto the Lord. That there's part in your life, things in your life, that you cannot say are the right things that please God. Perhaps now's the time to say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Father, I desire today, right now, to be holy and sanctified for you. I will walk, seek to walk in your ways with your help and your strength and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to walk with integrity and make these decisions that I need to make, that I might make these resolutions that will glorify and honor you. Would you do that, Christian, this morning? You know what it is in your own personal life. Just give it to the Lord right now. If you're here without Christ, you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. He invites you to come to know him. He died on the cross in your place for your sins. He shed his blood that you could be forgiven your sins and be cleansed by it and be received as a child of God, forgiven your sins and given everlasting life. It's a free gift if you will but receive it. If you're ready to receive it and trust Christ with your heart, Pray with me now. Pray a simple prayer like this. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I am sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. With our heads still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now born again spiritually. You're a child of God, and you have been set free. Welcome to the family. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you for decisions that may have been made. Father, may we leave here seeking to make these resolutions that you might be pleased with the way we live, with our heart, our actions, our attitudes. And Father, we know that one day we will then stand in your presence and we would hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.